Hey, Jimmy, you know what's coming up? What's that? In May? Yeah. Have you heard about this? No. Doctrine and Devotion 2019 Conference on Biblical Theology. Mm. With that James Hamilton's. Wait, wait, the James Hamilton? With the James Hamilton's is my jam. <laughs> James Hamilton is my jam. <laughs> Some of them know what we're doing. <laughs> so May 3rd and 4th here in Geneva, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, you can head on to the website, drvoshacom slash conference. You can get all the details registered. You're not going to want to miss this. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Woo-wee! Woo! Man. Oh, what a... What a, it, it, what, a, what a 24 to 48 hours. I'll tell you what, man. When you're doing ministry, like real ministry, um, sometimes it's thrilling and exciting, and mm. sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. And, but it's, but hopefully it's it's always good. And I don't mean good in the term, in, in the sense of pleasant. I mean good in that you're doing the will of God. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, yeah, man, it's been, it, it's been a, it's been a good and, and, and challenging week. I see God doing stuff and man, you know, I mean, I've seen God do a lot. Yeah. I've seen God do a lot in the 20 years that I've been a pastor, man, this is a, this is going to be a deep and, episode. And, but sometimes what God has to do is he has to comfort us. Oh yeah. In our, and we see that here in the in, church today, in right? hurting like, and yeah. dude, I think you've got to be like the most sore dude I've, I mean, you've got to well, be like, yeah. sore. Well, well, I mean, like, pa- like, no, no, no. I mean, like, well, yeah, I like, hurt. I like, hurt for our people. Joe. No, no, no. I mean, like, you've got to, your the whole your whole front side has to be beat red right now because of that flop that uh, All right. that you do the Fowler flop. Oh, like, there's now what? even a new Bro, phrase for Canasta. Why, why are you doing the this? The Fowler to me now? flop. So why are okay, you so doing you, this? You guys don't know this, but oh. Jimmy is oh. a very good Canasta player. I am paired up with Jimmy because we know how to read each other and we know how to play. We don't table talk, but we just know each other's thinking. We table face. Yeah, we table. <laughs> there's just like this. This. There's just like communication that yeah, no words. Much, much like a, as a uh, as a husband. Right. Like myself. And myself, yeah. And myself yeah, yeah. knows my, my wife. You, my wife knows what I'm thinking when you I'm thinking. So like, anyway, here's the thing. So I the other day, the other, the other day, this? I'm working, of course, right? Because oh. I ain't got time for Canasta. <laughs> so Jimmy and Steve are partners playing Canasta yes. against Dick and Maz. Maserati John. Oh. You want to guess why he's called Maserati John? Because <laughs> he has a Maserati. Anyway, so um, all the regulars, these four regulars are playing. Now, I'm working, right? Because that's what I do. Yes. Now, yes. these guys are playing. And um, I, I want you to know it was been a long week, and so I wanted to play a little. No, no, yeah, Jimmy needed it. Some, the, oh, yeah, Jimmy was working hard. Time, and it was at night. So, um, so here's the thing: uh, the pile is frozen. So when you're playing Canasta, mm. there is a deck. It's actually two decks that you can pull from when it's your turn to draw cards, or you can draw from the pile of discarded cards. Yeah. Now, if the pile is frozen, in order to pick up the pile, you would have to have two of whatever is showing in your hand. I Plus you have you. to have a total of so many points to get down initially. And this, in this instance, 120 points. So Jimmy had to get, it's hard to get down with 120. All I know is Jimmy enthusiastic. So Maserati to the pile's good. Yeah. And he's, and he's Ma- throwing to me. He's Maserati right. John throws down a seven. 
And Jimmy starts talking about how he's got, I was hoping you throw sevens. Jimmy slams down his sevens, starts singing and squawking and doing the fofo and pick up. <laughs> which is, not, which he, is he, rare for me. Okay. I want to make very clear. All, all I know is that you put on a performance. Okay. I, I was right. quite happy because you I were, was the one card in my. I, I, you were the unmasked singer is what you were. Okay. <laughs> and so Jimmy, Jimmy is laying down all these cards, but turns out he can't get down with 120 points. I was points. at 115. Oh, it was so awesome. And so now, listen, it used to be called when you would try to go down and you miscounted and you couldn't get down. It used to be called the Baird Laydown because Tommy Baird, one of the regulars there, did that. And All the famous time. For, yeah. So, but now it's called the Fowler Flop. Bro, the one time. The Ooh. one time. The I've never is, seen you do that before. I've never seen you screw up like that before. Oh, I do it. I do that because I'm not I very do, good. I don't even know what to say anymore. It was awesome. Thank you for bringing it up. Man. So, so yeah, you're I, sore. I'm and so, so I've been trying to minister to you. I've been trying to comfort you in your pain. Yeah, and I, I'm thankful that you're ministering to me publicly like this. Yeah, well, I coined Fowler Flop and everybody loved it at the cigar shop. So that's now what it's called. You're supposed to have my back. <clears throat> Why didn't you have my back? Well, I had your back, but I, I should have had your front because you flopped. Like belly flop <laughs> royally. <laughs> So Jimmy and I were talking about, about the, our church. We, we love the church that God allows us to serve. Um, it is great. And one of the things that's been true, and I've, in fact, you know, Steve is now a member here. Yeah. But when Steve was a pastor at another church, we would talk about what's going on in our churches. Yeah. And even actually this last week, we we're meeting with a church planter about yeah, things right. that were going on in, in his church. Yeah, he, so he was talking about what's going on in his church and the pain and, and, the, and the problems and the things that are going on. But Steve used to say things like, man, your people are messed up. Because he would hear some of the things that we're walking our people through. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say, right on, right on. But the reality is, every church's people are messed up. Yeah. Every, the members at every church, whether it's like Fancy Pants College Church in Wheaton. Yeah. Or whether it's like, like low rent ghetto church redeemer fellowship in St. Charles, <laughs> right? Everybody's people are messed up. And yeah, broken. We're just a group of sinners, right? <laughs> like that's all we are. And in, in, in a healthy church, justified by God in, in a healthy church, the, 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 the scars of the church are visible. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was, I was having lunch with a pastor. He's a published guy and uh, older gentleman, been in the ministry a long time. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about our churches and he's like, so what's going on at your church? And so I said, well, you know, um, r- lately we've been walking people through uh, some serious sin problems and some serious affliction problems that I kind of laid it all out. And Dever couldn't understand how. Dever just went like, huh? huh? Just no, it wasn't <laughs> no, it was not Mark no, Dever. It was a local guy. And, and I remember he, he said to me, wow, our members don't have those kind of problems. And they, they do were, have those oh, problems. They totally, they totally have those problems. And I remember problems. thinking, like, your people either aren't honest or you don't know your people. Like, there's, there's no way that your people don't have the same general sin struggles and afflictions that our people do. Yeah, I mean, I've been in churches before where uh, the leadership would almost act like that. Like, they wouldn't deal with the issues, right? They wouldn't deal with the issues uh, within the congregation mm-hmm. with with members, Uh and so they thought, oh, everything's perfect. Well, no, no, no. Marriages are crumbling. Yeah. You know, people, everybody struggles. Yeah. People are struggling. Uh, and they just don't, like, I, one, it felt like the leadership didn't want to, you no. know, get involved. It's embarrassing. Or, and it's hard. Or two, the people didn't feel confident with a trust in their leadership to care for them through that process. Right. Let's talk about that. So, like, in, we believe in a healthy church, 
people are going to be honest about their sins. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be broadcasting to everyone all of their no, struggles, no, no. but it means that they're going to, there's going to be a level of transparency that is noticeable in the congregation. And so that the pastors are going to know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. And the people are going to know oftentimes what's happening in one another's lives, one another's lives so long as there is a relationship there. Yeah, that's why we put a, a premium on, on community groups. Yeah, because that's a that's a place where uh, people are investing in each other's lives. They're they're getting into the thick of it. Uh, when people are struggling, they're coming alongside them, yeah. loving them, praying for them, caring being for honest. them. They're, just being, they're honest. being honest with what's going on. And we've talked about this before. We've had people come. Like, in fact, and I'm, we're not even just talking about church discipline cases, right? Um, but just when there's when there are mistakes and when there's sins and when there's hurting, people come and they tell us what's up. We've had people come and tell us, like, "Hey, man." Uh, I just committed adultery. Can you help us? Yeah. Or, hey man, I'm addicted to this yeah. and I don't know what to do. Can you? And they'll, they'll come and confess to it. We don't, it's not like we catch them. Yeah. We, like, like, we might've, that might've happened. Yeah. It's not like we're like, you know, uh, what's, what's it called? Like snow, social media snooping. Right. Yeah. Like we don't, to, yeah we're yeah. not sitting there following their accounts trying to say, oh, what are you doing? No. But besides, if we did that, they did it to us and, you know, oh yeah, I our don't social media—they don't need to. Uh, you know, I'm going to block everyone from yeah. our church. Yeah, yeah. I got a private. I got a, like a secret, <laughs> secret <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm going <laughs> to make a horrible joke. So, um, like, a, a a person's ability to be honest with their friends uh, is is going to be conditioned upon the nature of that relationship. Mm. So, do they do they have a a relationship that is characterized by love and acceptance built upon Christ that allows them to be real without the fear of being hypocritically or superficially or harshly judged. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'll use us as an example, right? Like Joe and I share pretty openly and honestly with each other about what's going on uh, in our lives and our marriages, what's going on at home. And I feel comfortable, right? Like I feel comfortable sharing with Joe uh, when I have failed as a husband and a father, because I know Joe loves me. Joe loves my family and will, you know, encourage me and correct me uh, so that I will not just survive, but that we would thrive together um, in in our marriage. And I absolutely love that kind of relationship. And and I have that relationship. uh, And I I think Joe does as well uh, with with our community groups within our CG, where I know everyone there uh, loves me and my family. Right. And will will care for us when when we fall when we sin right so i mean think think about think about the uh the things that are going on in people's lives there are serious problematic sin issues there are circumstantial um uh afflictions and sufferings yep um there are doubts and questions um you know, there, there are a whole host of issues, and what frequently happens is when somebody's going through something, and they, and and they're, they're maybe they're embarrassed, or they think like, man, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going through what I'm going through because they look around. Even at Redeemer, where we're a pretty transparent place, right? This oh, is yeah. not for everybody because uh, you're going to hear about our problems if you're here, if you're a member yeah, here. Yeah. So, and Joe's got a lot of problems. That he, I, you know. Yeah, I do. I have, I have, I have many. I have a plethora. A plethora. Good yeah. job, man. You got that master's of divinity, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. From Southern Seminary. Good I'm job. I'm sorry. From the, the Southern oh, Baptist wow, Theological man. Seminary. It shows. Yeah, it man, shows you right tell. there. You can tell. So, um, you know, people will, uh, will, will share. And I forgot what I was going to say, Jimmy. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, I think they share, right? And I think what, you, what you're getting at here, Joe, is that they share because they know the leadership is not surprised or caught off guard by this. They were ready to deal with it. Like we, we signed up for the hard stuff. Yeah. I didn't sign up for the nonsense, okay? And thankfully, we don't have to have a lot of nonsense to deal with. Like, you know, why why do we have to do a benediction at the end of every service? Yeah, or, well, why why is the color blue on the walls and not, yeah. I don't know, uh, gold and purple? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we have more banners? <laughs> Where are the flags? Where are the I tambourines? Can... <laughs> I don't understand. We're, I would like to bring my tambourine. We don't have that kind of stuff. I, I don't see Jesus's flag flying here. Yeah, and how it's, how it's supposed to put, fly... High in my heart, if I can't even see <laughs> one really on the stage. The and where's the American flag, by the way? <laughs> Dude, this is America. This so, is America. you know, here's the thing we got this church, we started having worship services here, and you know what was up front? Big old American flag, big old Christian flag. You know what I did with those things? You got rid of them? I tossed them into the back. Yeah. Now, respectfully, I took them and I placed them gently, placed respectfully. Them, you folded it correctly. I, I, no, they were still standing up on the stand. I just put them back there and then somebody else who knew how to fold them okay, folded them. Okay, good. I just yes. want to make sure no, no, that, that, I, that, I, that I, to me, I go, that goes too far. Good, I'm not disrespecting. Good. I don't like that. But we're not having, we're not, and so it was funny because we moved them back there and then one of our senior saints, a charter member. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say her name. No, 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 I no, can already no. guess who no, it is. Yeah, yeah. So she went back. She's like, hey, where did the, where did the flag go? you just confirmed who it was. <laughs> where did the flag go? So she went and she found it and she put it back in the sanctuary. She's like, oh, here they go. Now they're, now they're all right. I, love I don't know so why much. the flags would be moved in the back. So that's what she I said. I love her so much. <laughs> She's one of the most awesome ladies. And so I was like, I came back and I'm like, who put the flags back? I mean, just put the, I just, so I, took, I put the flags back again. And then, you know, next week she's like, somebody put the flag there. So she moved him again. And so I finally found out. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, girl, um, I, I, I moved them back there. Not, I love America. I kind of like the Christian flag, uh, but we're not going to have them up front because that's a distraction. We don't, we don't, that's mm -hmm. just not what we're doing. And she was fine with it. Like yeah, it was no drama. We don't that's, do it. And that's the thing. That's what I love is that we're, we're not about nonsense here. We're not yeah. dealing with the nonsensical yeah. uh, items, but we are though dealing with real heart issues of our people it's a lot easier i'll tell you what if you're focused on the nonsense then you can't get to the real stuff it's mm. a lot harder to yeah. and if you're focused on if you, let me put it this way if you're focused on the drama you ain't got time for the trauma but if you're focused on the trauma you ain't got time for the drama yeah and if you're focused on the nonsense you can't get to good sense We'll just go with trauma and drama for now, Jimmy. I, think I, I right. felt like I think that was I, pretty I, good, I, I, but I, I felt like trauma, I had to try to one-up Trauma is probably, probably the way to go. So you know we, what's not traumatic? Oh, oh I, the opposite of traumatic would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Which would be the Doctrine of Ocean Conference on Biblical Theology happening May 3rd and 4th. With, Who's going to be there, Joe? With Jim Hamilton's? Yeah. The, the Jim Hamilton's. <laughs> Jim Hamilton's is my jam. <laughs> He's my jam. <laughs> For the five people that know what we're referencing there, you're welcome. But no, you can head on the website, drwatcher.com slash conference. You're going to want to sign up, register, get in on these breakout sessions. We've got some great swag coming your way. May 3rd and 4th, sign up now. Okay, so Jimmy, why, why do you think, what are some of the reasons mm. that leadership doesn't cultivate transparency? And this kind of vulnerability and honesty with their people so that people can actually say, here are my hurts, here are my pains, here are my sins, help me. Yeah, I think I think one is I think we have a romanticized idea of what ministry is. Ooh. I think we've been taught. Uh, and you know what? Actually, I, I shouldn't say I, I don't want to be a hard line on this, but my impression of of seminary or uh, 
uh, undergrad when they're talking about pastoral ministry mm-hmm. is man, you're going to be you're going to be preaching. You're going to be counseling. <laughs> right. You're yeah. going to be helping. Studying. You're going to be Ooh. studying people mm-hmm. and teaching them. Yeah. What the word of God says. So awesome. And they're focused so much on that. Yeah. And I think we have this romanticized view that ministry is is not as difficult. I think we get kind of thrown into it like, oh, oh, I'm kind of in the trenches here. And then maybe we start to think, is something wrong with me and my church? Yeah. Rather than, no, this is real ministry. And that's right even here. if they get to see that, right? That's even yeah. if, it's, if it begins to peek through. That's right. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I think we do have a romanticized notion of ministry. And of course, they're teaching you the basics, but like I've said this again and again, one of the hardest things, one of the biggest lessons I learned in being a pastor is not that there is suffering, but that there is so much suffering and pain yeah. in the people in the church that everybody is suffering. So when I, when somebody tells me like, man, you, you don't understand, like even at Redeemer where everybody's really honest, there are many people who um, just, they look great, right? You look at them and you go, look, look at that. Yeah, they got right? it all together. Yeah. Oh, like, uh, like look at the Earls, like that guy, like Greg, he's handsome, right? And so well, look at Greg. He's, he's all he, right. He's a, uh, Oliver Bougedet. Okay, he's handsome. handsome. He's handsome. Okay, so Oliver. Yeah. All right, Oliver. Look go, at, go with the boosters. <laughs> Oliver, good looking couple, you know, successful dude. Yeah, let's people, talk about his sin now. <laughs> so people look at that and they just, they look at the outward appearance. They go, that guy's got it all together or yeah. that family's got it all together. But the reality is, and I'm not calling them out, everybody's broken. Everybody. Everybody's jacked up. Everybody's hurting. That's right. And so I think that the, the you know, people have this romanticized picture of ministry, like you're saying, but then it, the, the people have a romanticized picture of the Christian life. And yeah. they think like, well, my experience is abnormal. And it, it, the normal was what I think everybody else has going on in their life where everything just comes easy to them and they don't have any struggles. And that's not fair. It's not true. No, and, I, and it's not just – and I think part of that though with the people having a romanticized view, I think there's – blame to be laid at the feet of the leadership because of that. Definitely. I think that's because the leadership should be striving to create a culture of transparency and accountability. So where one, they, they're, they're people feel comfortable being open and honest because they're going to be loved and cared for. So if, 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 if your church or your leadership is known to come down hard on people, then you know what? And you, you don't know how to, and you don't know how to take people through the church, a church discipline process properly in a loving and shepherding way. Then, People notice that. Oh, yeah. People notice that. And then why? why? I'm yeah, not going to come no forward. No way would they want to share. No. I was at a church. I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I would bring. No. Oh, the, 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 I get the, some churches uh, uh, idea of church discipline is basically shame and shun. Yeah. Right. Like, that's what it is. And like, that's not. So I'm thinking, I'm, there's no way no. I would I would want to bring my shame or my, my sin to light here. But, you know, Michelle knows since we've been at, at Redeemer. You know, I love it. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm like, you don't have to hold don't don't hold anything back. When Pastor Jeff calls or or pulls her aside and says, Hey, what's going on at home? Do you feel safe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the doctors do when you're taking your wife to get the baby. But like but he does. He he does ask, like, hey, yeah. how is Jim at home? Is he spending time at home? Is he present when he's home? Like he's checking in. And I told Michelle, you feel you be completely honest. Cause if I go on a church discipline, I know. I'm going to be taken care of. And I know my marriage will yeah. thrive after. Right. Totally. Totally. So totes. I, I, I totes my goats. I think that um, another reason pastors don't try to cultivate transparency. Well, let's just say this. So if you're coming into an established church that isn't transparent and you want transparency, 
it's going to it's going to take a surprising work of god i mean that's it's going to take a while that's a, that's going to be yeah. a long process but i think one of the reasons pastors are reluctant to do it is because accountability is risky transparency is risky because if you're asking your people to be transparent it sort of requires you to be transparent yeah and man i i can remember as a new christian like i, I thought I, I felt called to be a pastor and people quickly told me your past is too messed up satanism and sexual immorality and drugs no way. You cannot mm. be a pastor. And I thought, oh, you're right. Because my conception of pastors was super like perfect dudes like that have everything together. And for a long time, I, I really thought like there's no way I could be a pastor. And as I began to get to know a few real pastors and see that like, I remember one guy, I was in his house and he was roughhousing with his son and knocking things over like yeah, you yeah. know how dads and sons yeah, will wrestle. Yeah. And the mom got mad. She's like, I told you no roughhousing in this house. You're knocking over everything. Stop it. Stop it. And I was like, holy cow. Homeboy got in trouble with his wife. <laughs> and it was it was a small thing, but it made me realize like pastors are supposed to be real people. It doesn't yeah. excuse sin, of course, but it means like there's no perfect dude. They're not on a pedestal. They're not super Christians. No. They're just Christians. No. And uh, I think another reason why leadership doesn't develop it, Joe, and this, this is going to sound harsh, and I think this is the minority, is um, – I think some pastors don't want to deal with it because it's hard because it's hard. Yeah, man. It's taxing. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's a, a you know, uh, no, that's a, that's a lot of them. Do you think so? Of course it is. Well, then if that's you, you need to check your heart and repent of that L- listen, because you are called to shepherd God's people. And if you are not willing to shepherd God's people through their sin and struggles, then you should not be shepherding. Right. Shepherds get dirty. They like, listen, th- just think about the uh, shepherds, right? They get dirty. They smell. They're, they're in the mix. They got to fight off the wolves. Like it's all or nothing. You're either a shepherd or you're not. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, listen, y- you know how hard it is to be a pastor here. Um, there are days when we are weary. Yeah. Like it's, and it's, and the reason it's so wearying is because we actually care. Like I actually love these people. Like I, I love the people at Redeemer and you know me, like I don't, I'm not an emotional guy, but no. when it's, when I start talking about the people at this church that I genuinely care for, man, it get, get a little dusty in here. Oh my, yeah. I get, I get my allergies act yeah, you up. Cry. I don't cry. But you get, cry. My, my allergies kick you up cry. a little bit. You cry. And it's okay. So, I mean, it's like you have to. If you care, if you love, then you're going to be invested. And that hard work, as wearying as it is, is worth it. That's what you're called to do. You're not called to just be a guy that studies and reads and preaches. Those are the easy things. I'll, I'll preach five. I'll preach every day of the week. I'm not. That, that, that's fine. That's the easy thing. Caring for people, walking with people. That's the hard thing. But yeah. that's the work. That's the job. Yeah. So, Joe, on the flip side, then, we've been talking a lot about leadership. Oh, I got another reason that oh, people ahead, don't ahead, do sorry, it. Go I got another reason. Go ahead. Good. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Like, you, you know what it's like when you see your friend do something like. I, why do I hate you? No, no, no. I'm not going to say anything specific here. Oh, go I'm ahead. not going to throw you under the bus oh. this time. Oh, thank you. You see your friend do something. Because I'm not like this. If I see you doing something stupid, I, I point at you loud and I laugh. <laughs> I, I point my yeah. finger behind my back, my arm outstretched, and he then winds I, up. I start laughing. He winds and like, up. As I'm laughing, I extend my <laughs> finger up over my head and I point at you and I laugh and I let everybody know what you do. <laughs> That's right. That's what I do. No, no, no. When you see your friend actually screw up, actually do something wrong, it, there's a temptation to like pretend like you didn't see it because it's embarrassing. It's awkward. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, this yeah. is, uh, I don't want to step into that. I don't want, I don't want them to feel bad. Yeah. Uh, and there's like this embarrassment, the, the idea of embarrassment, um, I think holds some people back as well. And you got to ask like, well, what's more important? 
that you don't feel embarrassed or that person doesn't feel embarrassed or that you actually help them through this. Maybe it's going to be a quick and easy fix and you're blowing it by not stepping into it. Or maybe it's going to be hard and long. Either way, they need your help and you got to be willing to step in. You know what? I have a last one now. Okay. Because you, you made me think of something. I wonder if some people don't want to, you know, step in because they're afraid that they'll chase them away. Oh, for sure. That's that they'll a, leave. For sure. And th- listen, we oh. even have that thought sometimes. Like, hey, listen, we have to go into this and what if they run? Yeah. What if they run? We don't want them to run, but what yeah. if they run? And if you're, and listen, if you're in a church, here's the thing. If you're in a church that's small and like the idea of a family lo- leaving could be devastating, you might, you might hold back. Or if you're in a church that's big, but the person you have to confront is a major donor. Mm. People Which is get, a whole, both of those are the same heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Is. It's, it's the same sinful heart. And you got to be willing to do the hard thing. All right. So Joe. Yeah. Back to that question. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about leadership. What about the flip side? What about why people don't uh, be transparent? I think we've already touched on one. They don't right. trust. Yeah. Right. And they, sometimes they don't trust, not because you're not trustworthy, but because they got the junk beat out of them at yeah. their last church. Yeah. We've had people here say that like, hey, man, like I want to trust you guys. I'm, I'm trying to, but I just got beat up by bad pastors. And so it's, it's taking me a little while yeah. to, and to warm up. that's understandable because totally. I mean, we've been there. We've yeah. been under bad leadership and abusive leadership. Right. Uh, spiritually abusive leadership to where we're like, it took a while. It mm. took a while to get, regain that trust. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, I think that's a part of it. I think some of the same things, right? Um, you know, people, whether it's real or just perceived, there's an expectation like, well, I have to measure up. And if I don't measure up, then, you know, the, the people are going to look down on me. Uh, they're not going to let me do what I feel called to do. I think there are some self-serving interests there. I think the embarrassing thing, people are embarrassed and they, they just, they yeah. don't like the idea that people are going to know. Sometimes people are slow to share like, here, okay, this is me. This is the way I'm wired. And you know this, everybody knows this about me. I like to deal with my own problems, even though I can't deal with them on my own as well yeah, as I could with yeah, help. You're really prideful. Yes. I'm a proud, I'm a proud dude. And like my dad raised me, you take care of your business. Don't ask for help. Just do your thing. Get it done. And, um, and so I was raised that way. Like I remember Jen and I, when we were moving into Southern seminary, uh, you know, we got married a week later, we were driving onto campus and we'd never been there before. So we've got a U-Haul, no, 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 rider. It was a rider truck. Mm. So we had a rider truck and a couch and all this bed and all this stuff. And we were on the third floor. So Jen, who weighs like 95 pounds and me, a big doughy mess, uh, we're going to be carting couch, chairs, tables, bed, everything up three flights of exterior stairs up to our apartment. And I don't know anybody there, which is all just fine because I don't want to ask for help. Mm. I don't ask for help, but it was Kentucky. And so there's a, there's a lot of hospitality down there. Yeah. And so all these seminary really students. Really kind people. Yeah. It was really weird. In fact, we pulled onto campus. I remember we pulled onto campus and somebody waved and I gave the, like both hands up like, what? And <laughs> I'm, Jen, I'm driving and, here. And Jen's like, what's their problem? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, and she goes, I think they're waving. <laughs> I think they're saying hi. <laughs> you, like, could, you could even recognize we, it. We were like, we'll that is hello. weird. They're waving. So <laughs> we, we got in and they all these people come out like, hey, we'll help you move upstairs. My, my name is Bob. My name is, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, it's good. We got it. We got this. We're fine. You dummy. I'm like, we, we're fine. And they're like, no, it's okay. And they got onto the, the van. They just started. And I'm like, no. Doing, of like, course. Good. I, I don't, we don't need your help. And they're like, too bad. And they just, and. And they, they ignored our pleas for independence and autonomy. And they said, no, we're going to move you in, you big dummy. Don't yeah. be stupid. Yeah. Praise God that someone worked through your – Yeah. You, you know. know what happened though? What's they that? Got, they got us moved in and they, they're like, hey, why don't you come over to our house for dinner? I'm like, no, no, we're fine. They're like, shut up. You're coming over for dinner. So we go over there for dinner. 
And they're like, so why did you choose the seminary? And I said, oh, well, Al Mohler is cleaning house, yo. Got Tom Nettles in here, kicked out the heretics. Mm. And they're like, yeah, uh, we hate him. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were the leftover students that were not happy with Moeller and the changes that were made. So they, they didn't but invite they us But they still over. showed you Christian hospitality. Not after that. They were done with us. Oh, after they were that. done. Oh, yeah, they were done. done. Yeah. But they still why had could, the impulse. Why couldn't you just focus on the good right here, yeah, Joe? You know, <laughs> I, I'm trying to be real. So, yeah, I think some people are just wired to not come clean. And just because it, it, maybe it's maybe it's not like I don't want to be embarrassed Okay, it's still a sin problem. You're too proud to admit that you need help. Yeah. And that's how I'm wired. I think that's one of the reasons that people uh, frequently don't do it. Yeah, and I think uh, if, you're, if you're in that situation, I want to really encourage, uh, if you're in a church and you're struggling, I mean, if you're, go and get help, right? Go to the elders and ask for help. If it's a church that you trust, it's a, it's a leadership that you right. love uh, and you feel safe with, then it's okay because listen, uh, they're not going to come down on you, right? They're, if they're not, good pastors are not going to do. They're that. not going to come down on you. They, listen, it might be hard. Might be, have some hard words for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they're going to love you. And actually, uh, just recently, you know, we were talking, uh, and Joe and I were talking just about uh, a situation that that uh, some friends of ours are going through. Yeah. And I shared with Joe, I was, and I think I should I shared with them. I praise God that they brought it forward to us. Yeah. I praise God. They for trusted that. us. One, yes, because of trust. Two, because we can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And third, I, I, I have this fear that if you were at another church. Oh, yeah. You would. The wrong church. The wrong church. You could have gotten chewed up and spit out. Yeah. And I, I so I'm so thankful. And I know this sounds and it is. It, it comes off really arrogant, but I'm so thankful for the elders that we have a redeemer. And that when members or individuals come forward and share their struggles, I'm I, in my head, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they trust us. But thank you, Lord, that they're going to get the help and love and care that they need. Right. Because I've been in those churches where mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have suggested go talk to the leadership. No, in fact, if you're in a church where it's all shame and shunning, man, get out. Get mm-hmm. out, man. Go to a healthy church. There, there's plenty of healthy churches out there, guys. Um, and here's the thing, right? Like, so. We're not expert pastors. We're oh, not no. we're not expert Christians. But I'll tell you what, we have been schooled in the in the art of pain and affliction and sin. We've been schooled in, yeah. in walking people, walking with people, and people walking with us through these issues. And so the more you deal with this, the more you step in to help people, the more equipped you are to help more people. And that will catch on. People will begin to know like, wow, I can go and trust. Because I'll tell you what, the, the a person who is really suffering and really gets help, a person who is really screwed up and then really gets help, they will let other people know, I got help. Yeah. And, and this is what happened. So Jimmy, what are some things that people can do? Um, to cultivate this, whether it's a, like, what can pastors do mm-hmm. to help cultivate transparency and what can people do to begin to cultivate transparency? I think first for the pastor, I think you need to be transparent up front. You need to model it up front. I'm not talking about, you know, I, I don't think the pulpit should be a confessional, a confessional right? right? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> you should be able to share what God is doing in you and through you. Convicting you. Know, convicting you, you mm-hmm. uh, to grow. Right. And people it, people say that here all the time. Like one of the things that they say about all the preachers is they're they're really grateful that that the pastors here admit that they struggle. Like so when they're when we're preaching on a particular topic, mm-hmm. one of the things that we always do 
is we tell everybody who's learning to preach and we, we seek to practice this, that I've got to preach this passage to myself, uncover my own sin, see where I'm, God is convicting me so I can respond to it. Yeah. And we share part of that. Yeah. Chapel talks about that, that, that fallen condition focus. Chappelle. Yeah. Chappelle. Yeah. No, Chapel. Chappelle. Brian Chapel. Brian Chappelle. Brian Chappell. He's French. Chappelle. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to be willing to say like, I struggle here. This is where I struggle. And God is helping me to deal with it because it lets people know you're not a super Christian. You're a real person who has real struggles just like them. People, man, people love that. And it, and it, they don't love it because it gives them a pass. It loves them because it gives them hope. Yeah. Like, wow. If I can see my pastor struggling and growing in this area, that means like, wow, I can struggle and grow in this area too. Yep. I think for the individual, I do think that um, – if you're not involved in a CG or sorry, community group, small group, Bible study, you need to get involved. You need to get involved. And as you begin to have those relationships, hopefully you're already involved and you've got this trust. You, you can share there. You mm-hmm. can share there. And, and if it's a healthy CG, you know, Bible study or small group, um, it's not going to be gossip, right? People aren't going to go off and talk about it yeah. uh, with with everyone else. But you should be able to. You should have confidence to know that the people that you're sharing with uh, your small group that it's going to be kept there and that they're going to love you. And if it's if it's a serious, it, you know, because sometimes we go through serious issues. Mm-hmm. Go to the elders. Yeah, man. You, you, go to you, the elders. Just ask. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen. You modeling transparency will beget more transparency. Right. I mean, like, it's like people realize, like, whoa, that person doesn't, isn't pretending they're being real. I mean, I guess I can do that. Yeah. I, if, if they can be real with me and trust me, I, I can be real with them and trust them. You know, there's a, a couple of scripture passages that, that came to mind. Like one is the first John passage, right? Chapter one, if we confess our sins, he is faithful mm. just to forgive us of our sins and uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then there's that James passage, right? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another yeah. that you may be healed. How do you expect to get healed, to get right, to get any kind of help if you're not confessing your sins? That's right, Joe. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Like, listen, the the idea that, that there is hope in confession is not tied to merely airing your dirty laundry. It's tied to the hope that we have in Jesus and our common bond in Christ. I can confess my sins because I know God forgives my sins and I need to confess my sins so that I can get help from not just from Christ, but help from Christ through his people. Yeah. Like like we think like, I want, I want God to help me with my sin. Okay. The way he normally helps you is through his church. That's how he normally helps you. I want God to speak to me. You know how he normally speaks to people through his word and through his people, the people sharing the word. Mm. And so if you distance yourself from the people, you're just not likely uh, to, to find the help that you need. Bottom line is, a healthy church shows its scars. It's not embarrassed to show its scars. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to show his scars. He said, look, Thomas, look. Right? He showed his scars to verify that he was the crucified Christ. The church should be able to show its scars. The people should be able to show our wounds, knowing that um, it demonstrates who we really are. Like, this is who we really are. We're not pretending. We're not being fake. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram, Twitter, at Doc and Devo, or on Facebook slash Doctor and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content on Fridays. Later. Later.